We're on part two of listening to God's voice. And our theme, um, or hearing God's voice, our theme scripture is John 10, 27. It says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice. So we're going to look at hearing God's voice. I know that last week Chris did an awesome job. And this week, we're going to look at some actual examples from the Old Testament and the New Testament. What is the difference in hearing God's voice? And how can you recognize when God is speaking to you? So how, does, how did God speak in the Old Testament? And how does he speak in the New Testament? Well, we, we, we first hear about the voice of God, of course, in the garden, right? When Adam and Eve sinned. The Bible says that God was looking for them and they heard the voice of God in the cool of the day. Because the Bible says God is a spirit. And we, we don't really, can really understand the nature, the fullness of God's nature because we are physical beings. We do have a spirit, but it is right now inside this physical vessel. So we can't see God, but we can hear him. And I did a, a teaching some time ago and I said... Uh, name, name our senses. Name some of the five senses. Touch. Sorry. Smell. Taste. Hearing. See. Sight. Okay. So if you had to give one of them up, which one would you give up? There's no takers? Well, most of us would say we'd hate to lose sight, wouldn't we? Sight would probably be the one that we would hate to lose the most. I mean, if I had to give up one of them, maybe taste. But that would make life so miserable. I mean, especially if you like steak and food, uh, you know. And uh, Maybe I changed my mind. Maybe it would be smell. <laughs> maybe smell would be the one I'd have to give. But again, when your smell is gone, the food still doesn't, doesn't taste good, so... But, you know, in our human understanding, we think of sight as being the most important. But the Bible tells us that the most important is not sight. It's hearing. It's hearing. When a baby is in the womb, of the five senses, it can't get any of them from outside except one. Hearing. It hears the mother's voice. It can hear the father's voice. And the, the important thing about hearing is that it's connected to our uh, imagination. Hearing is connected to our faith organ. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing. That means what you believe comes by what you hear, right? What you hear, because you can be told something without experiencing it personally. You can't see it. Like I used to give the example of Paris, right? And I used to say, the moment you say Paris, what jumps into your mind? What picture jumps into your mind? The Eiffel Tower. And I used to say, I used to be able to say, well, I've never seen the Eiffel Tower. But that's what jumps into my mind. Well, of course, November, we did go and we saw the Eiffel Tower. So that, that for me is not a, a, a thing of faith anymore because I've seen it. In fact, I, I went up it. But you understand that faith comes by hearing because words go to your imagination. And your imagination is your faith organ because it tells you, it stimulates, it pe- paints a picture. I, I love reading books. It's, um, it's a bad thing, but it, that's my escape. Because you can get into a book and it takes you somewhere completely different. 
You know, it's the, it's the wise person's drugs, really. Because it takes you in a different place. What is it doing? The words are painting a picture in your mind that you are seeing. And so, Bible speaks about God speaking to man before we can even see him. He speaks to us because in God's estimation, words are the most powerful thing. In fact, the Bible tells us that because it says we understand that the whole universe was framed by the word of God. Isn't that, isn't that what happened in Genesis? It says God said, let there be. Three words, let there be. And the answer is? I say that every time. When God says let there be, there is no going against that. There is nothing that can stop when God says let there be. The only result is, and it was so. And I've said if God can speak to you, if, God, if you can get to the point where God speaks a word into you, then the answer will be, and it was so. That's why I want God to speak to me every day. Because His word is concrete. His word is dependable. It never changes. So we see initially in the Bible how God interacted with people is that they heard his voice. They heard his voice. Now some people at times, they weren't sure. So they asked for proof. If, if that's really you, God, I need you to show up. I need you to show out. I need you to prove yourself to me. In Genesis 12:1, we have the first time that God speaks to Abraham. And it says, now the Lord had said, Now, we don't know if that was an audible voice or if Abraham heard that in his head or how that came to be. But somehow God communicated in a verbal manner. The Lord had said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. How did Jesus call his disciples? What does it say in the New Testament? He spoke to them. And what did he tell them? Come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. God speaks to us verbally. That's how he communicates. We see this again in Genesis 13, 14. And the Lord said unto Abraham. God was trying to call Abraham so that he had him one-on-one. God is always trying to speak to us personally. Right? He, he's created us individually. None of us are the same. And so there is a personal word that God has for us. Sometimes we're not listening and sometimes we have to go through circumstances before we suddenly realize that God is trying to speak to us. We find that this is the case with Abraham. God told him, leave where you are because that's a mess. That's a cesspool. I can't really bless you where you are. You need to leave all of that and come to this place I'm showing you. Well, he left, but he took a lot of baggage with him. That's just like us. We half obey God, right? We, we, we may not be where we were, but we're still not really giving up everything to God. So he took all his family. He took his father, his grandfather, his, his nephew, and everybody else. And so it took a while for him to get to the place where God could speak to him a personal word. God wants to speak a personal word to each of us because it's like children. All of you have children. If you could raise your hand. Okay, and I know, sister, sister, I'm going to pick on you because you have twins. And yet, even though they're twins, they're different, aren't they? And so sometimes the word you say to one can't be quite the same word to the other because they'll take it a different way. That's to show you how much God wants to speak a personal word to each of us. 
He wants to get us one-on-one. And it wasn't until Genesis 13, when finally Abraham was by himself, it says, and the Lord said unto Abram, after that lot was separated from from him. It wasn't until God could speak to him one-on-one and give him a personal word. That's why it's so important to, to get a personal word. It's good that we come here and we hear a message that's to everybody. But you have to have a personal relationship. Jesus said that to some people, he's going to say, I never knew you. I never knew you. See, we have to have a personal relationship so that we can receive a personal word from God. It's the same thing with the next major character. We find after Abraham, we have Isaac and God spoke to him personally. Then we have his son Jacob and God spoke to him personally, right? He, he ran away after he had tried to cheat his brother and he was sleeping out in the desert on a rock and God gave him a dream and he, he called the place Bethel, the house of God. And God, he made a promise to God. He says, Lord, if you bring me back in peace, If you let me come back one day back to my father's house, then I'm going to be, you're going to be my God forever. He had a one-on-one conversation and vision from God. And then after that, we have the next famous prophet, which was Moses. And again, how did God speak to him? It was through a voice. Where? Burning bush. Exodus 4.2, and the Lord said. See, God is going to speak to us if we're listening. They say you can hear your name in a crowded room. <laughs> Whoop, someone said, Mike, someone said, you know, you can hear your name because your brain is kind of tuned to, they can be babbling. Suddenly you, you, you can't tell what they were saying, but your name jumps out. You see, God wants to speak to us through all the noise that's going on in our lives. He wants to be able to give us a personal word. He called Moses, first of all, by showing him this bush that was on fire on this mountainside, but it wasn't actually burning up. And the Lord said unto him, what is in thine hand? See, Moses was thinking, you know, okay, this is a hallucination. He needed some proof of who he was speaking to. So the voice told him, what you got in your hand? He says, well, I've got this rod. I got this shepherd's rod. He says, well, throw it on the ground. And he threw it on the ground and it turned into a snake. Now he said, pick it up. And he had to pick it up by the tail. Now, any of you know that that's not how you're supposed to pick up snakes. You're supposed to pick them up by the head. The reason why is they just might turn around and bite you. So now he was tested to see if he believed the voice. The voice told him, pick it up by the tail. See, God will speak back to us and may ask us to do some things to test our faith. We've heard the voice, but do we believe? And so he may ask us to pick up the rod by the tail. So we see all through Exodus, God is speaking directly to Moses in a voice. Sometimes he sees, he gets tired of hearing just the voice though. He says, listen, I want to see what you really look like. And God tells him, you can't really see me because you might die. But I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to put you in the cleft of a rock. If you come up on this mountain, there's this rock and it's got a split in it. I'm going to hide you in there. And then I'm going to go past and you're going to see my hinder parts. You're going to just see the back of me. And you know who that rock represents? Jesus. The Bible tells us that Jesus is that rock. The only way we truly see God is if we're hidden in Jesus. If we're hidden in Jesus. So after God gave the children of Israel, the law, and he gave them all these ceremonies and all these things 
God started to speak directly to Moses, but he, th- he spoke to the rest of the children of Israel too through the, through the priest's breastplate. He had a, a pocket called an ephod, and on that breastplate were 12 precious stones. And on those stones were the names of the tribes, the 12 tribes of Israel. And every time the priest would go before the Ark of the Covenant, go into the temple, he represented the people. He represented the people. And God set up this thing where they were given two stones called Urim and Thummim. And they mean revelation and truth. And in the pocket of that breastplate, the two stones were in there. And people would ask the priest certain questions that would be framed in a yes or no answer. And so they would go in and the priest would go before the Lord. And the Bible doesn't tell us this, but the The Jewish tradition is that the stone with the answer would glow. And he would put his hand into the pocket in his breastplate and pull it out. In Numbers 27, 21, it tells us that. And he shall stand before Eliezer, the priest, who shall ask counsel for him after the judgment of Urim. So the Lord stopped speaking personally to Israel during the law. They got their revelation mostly through asking the priest about these two stones. And it lays it out here in Numbers. It says, and he shall stand before Eliezer, the priest. That means when you come to ask a question and you would say, shall I plant crops this year or not? He shall come before the Eliezer, the priest, who shall ask counsel for him after the judgment of Urim. That means uh, the two stones. And the Lord, at his word, shall they go out, and at his word they shall come in. Both he and all the children of Israel with him, even all the congregation. That means before Israel did anything... They were to inquire of the Lord. They were to go through this process of saying, shall we go up and fight this tribe? Shall we go fight the Amorites? Or shall we wait? And God will answer them now through these two stones. Isn't that strange? God stopped speaking directly in a voice to most of them. He still spoke directly to Moses. But to the rest of the children of Israel, he did not speak directly. It was through these two stones, which meant revelation and truth and which one would glow would tell him which one he was being asked now this was very close to what some of the pagan tribes were doing except their their method of asking for truth you know you've heard of all these stories they would throw down bones or liver entrails or tea leaves and it seemed that it wasn't much different from what the pagans were doing so what was the difference between god's word and prophecy and what was known as the occult or divination. First Samuel 30, 23, 9. I'm talking about hearing God's word. How do we know if God is speaking to us? How do we know that he wants us to do something? In First Samuel 23, 9, it says that David found out or knew that Saul secretly practiced mischief against him. He found out that Saul was planning to kill him. How did he do that? By asking of the priest the way God had told him to do it. He asked Abiathar the priest, bring hither the ephod. That was what this pocket was called. To bring it and to inquire of the Lord what he should do. Then said David, O Lord God of Israel, thy servant hath certainly heard that Saul seeketh to come to Kilah. At that time David was hiding out in a town called Kilah. And he wanted to know if I stay here, is Saul going to come and hunt me? So he asked the priest to put his hand in the pocket of the ephod and pull out the stone with the answer. Will the men, then that was one question, will Saul come? 
The second question, verse 11, he says, will the men of Kyla, will they betray me? When they know that Saul is coming to save themselves, will they, will they sell me out? Will they give me up to, 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 to Saul? Will the men of Kyla deliver me up into his hand? And will Saul come down as thy servant hath heard? O Lord God of Israel. Do you see the secret why David was so successful was before 99% of the time, before he did anything, he asked God about it. How many mistakes have we made? I bought so many lemon cars, <laughs> so many hoopties, so many dud things, you know, and you, what you have to do is send them back, right? Sister Diane, me and you, we've, we've had that experience of, I, I'm sorry to pick on her. She told me of ordering some stuff and when it came, it was not as advertised, not as advertised. So David, though, he was successful because he knew how to get into contact with God. Imagine if we did that. Me, of all people, I'm the most impulsive, don't want to wait type person, which is very bad. Very bad. You see, but through hard experience, I've learned now to start to wait. If you drive in Milwaukee, you need some patience. Don't go when immediately the light goes green. You're going to have to wait a little bit because there's some crazy folk running the... You're going to have to learn some patience. Anything to do with God involves patience because he's on his timetable, not on ours. Verse 13, Then David and his men, which were about 600, rose and departed out of Keilah and went hither through they could go. Because the answer came back, yes, if you stay here, he's going to come and these men, these, this townspeople will... Dis, will, will will um, betray you, even though they owed David a favor, even though David had, done, had saved them before. God told him, if you stay here, they're going to betray you. Wouldn't it be great if every day you got a word from the Lord? <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if the Lord, before you, before you left your house, you had a list of questions. Lord, shall I talk to my boss about this? And the Lord said, no, don't talk to him about that today. He's in a bad mood. He's going to say no. Or shall I go down to this shop today and do this? And the Lord said, no, they're going to be having a, a big old fire going. Wouldn't it be great if we did that? The Bible says that we, his, the, the, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Let's try that this week. Let's try that this When you wake up tomorrow morning... You may not have an ephod with some stones in it, but he's listening to you. Why don't you just pray and say, Lord, what, what things I've got planned today that I should or shouldn't do? And then when you pray, listen. Listen and get, let the Lord speak to your heart. Wouldn't that be great? If the Lord were to speak to your heart. Amen. So in this case, David saved himself and was able to escape because the message came back through the priest. Yeah, Saul is coming and these people are going to betray you. And so verse 13, David and his men, which were about 600, arose and departed out of Keilah and went whithersoever they could go. And it was told Saul that David was escaped from Keilah and therefore he, he didn't bother going because he knew he wasn't going to catch him. So the difference between the occult and people going to Ouija boards or crystal balls or tea leaves or whatever bones they shake, the difference is where the material is coming from. 
The difference in getting answers is who is telling you stuff. That's what makes it wrong or right is who you're getting the answer from. I was going to tell on myself, but I better not know. There's some things that I just can't tell, but God is merciful. That's what I will say. So, right, it's who is the source. The difference between divination, that is what we call the occult, and true prophecy is who's telling you the secret. Now, Satan does know a lot of stuff. He can fool a lot of people. In fact, a lot of people who think they see their dead relatives, of course, we know that's not the case. What they're seeing is what's called a familiar. A familiar spirit that knows every single thing about your dead relative and can fool you. A familiar spirit. So you have to be careful who you listen to. And you've got to be sure of the source. So as I put up there, the difference between divination and prophecy is the source. David was doing something that looks very similar to divination. That means they were taking out stones and looking at them. But in this case, that was ordained by God. That was ordained by God. Now, the other person you go to that's got the Ouija board or the crystal ball, that's not ordained by God. And you're, you're liable, you're likely to be deceived. You're likely to not get the whole truth. Just like Satan. He said, don't you know if you eat this tree, make you wise as God, you'll know the di-. That was true. That part was true. So it's not how much truth you have. As I've said before, it's how much lies that's mixed in. There's so many religions in the world that have a lot of truth. Good people, but a lot of them are deceived because they have 90% truth and then 10% error. And it's not the truth that's going to be the bad part. It's the error. And I've told that story about the, the, the brownies, right? I'll tell it again. I'll tell it again to make my point. You know, this father, this single father, had some daughters, and they came to him and said, Dad, we, we want to go see this R-rated movie. And he said, no, no, I don't think that's a good idea. They said, oh, please, 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 Dad, it's only got just a tiny bit of sex and violence and all this other terrible stuff. And he says, no, I don't think that's a good idea. But anyway, he didn't stop them, and they went. So when they came home, he had made a big tray of beautifully... Uh, sweet brownies. And they said, oh, dad, you're the best. You're the best. You're the greatest dad. And he, and he says, can we have some? And he said, yes, you can. But I just mixed in just a tiny little bit of dog poop. Just a tiny little bit. It's not how nice, it's not how 90% of the brownies are good. It's the little bit of dog poop. Any of you would like to sample that? It's not how much truth um, um, goodness you have it's how much error you have so we see that for God's voice there's a lot of other voices out there that you have to be able to recognize God's voice so this was David's life in the Old Testament they always inquired of the priest shall I do this or shall I do that you know shall I take this job or not shall I marry this person or not or shall I you know, whatever. They would inquire of the Lord. The one time David did not, or, the, or every time he did not, is when he got in trouble. 
he decided he was going to take a census of Israel. Now, under the law, if you took a census of Israel, you were supposed to pay an offering for all of the firstborn. David didn't do that. He, he was at peace. He was strong. He was king now. He had, no, he had defeated all his enemies. He thought, you know what? I don't need to ask God about this. I'm the king. And he did not do what he was supposed to. And because of that, judgment came. The second time, you all know well, he, he decided before asking God that he wasn't going to go fight. He was just going to send the army because he didn't need to go. He was the king. And you know the story. He goes out on his balcony and he sees this woman uh, bathing on her roof. And because of that decision of not asking God, he ends up first committing adultery and then having her husband killed. You see what happens when we don't listen or ask of God first. But most of the time, David would inquire. David would inquire. He would ask God, and that was why he was successful. The difference between God's voice and divination, again, it's, it's who it's coming from. Let's look at some scriptures. Genesis 15, 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came. The word of the Lord came. In Genesis 15, 4. And behold, the word of the Lord came. Genesis, uh, Samuel 20, 2 Samuel uh, 7, 4. And the word of the Lord came. In the Old Testament, we see that God would just come in, a, in an audible voice many times to certain people at critical times. First Kings 6.11, and the word of the Lord came to Solomon saying, when he had prayed, when he became king and he realized, I have no qualifications for this job. This is a huge kingdom uh, and I'm not really smart enough to, to run this kingdom. It's going to be a mess. And at the beginning of his reign, he made one great decision. He asked God, Lord, can you help me? I, I need to be able to to be smart to run this kingdom. And God gave him a choice. Again, God gave him a test. Do you want to pick up the rod by the head or the tail? God said, listen, I'm going to give you anything you ask for. It was a test to see where his heart was. Was he really just about himself? Did he just want this so that he could be at the end of his reign, say, I'm a a smarter king than everybody? No, he said, Lord, I don't want riches. I just want to be able to give me the wisdom to run this kingdom. And you know what? Because he asked the right question, God will give you stuff you never asked for. When you ask the right question, God will give you stuff you never even asked for. Because he asked the right question. Because he asked the right question, God gave him the thing he never asked for, which is wealth. One time I I calculated how much wealth that... Solomon God, because it's in the Old Testament, it gives that he, he got so many shekels, and I, I, I calculated out, it was 25 tons of gold every year. <laughs> 25 tons of gold. You see, he never asked for that. All he asked for is, Lord, give me the wisdom so that I can rule this people, that I will make the right decision. Imagine if we wake up tomorrow morning and say, Lord, I got a bunch of decisions that I, I don't know which one is right. Lord, I'm asking you for wisdom today. I absolutely believe that God will help you. I absolutely believe that God will guide you. Because if you truly are a Christian and you love him, then Romans 8.28 applies to you. And what does that say? And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and are the called according to his purpose. You know, in football... The plays that succeed 
are the ones where they, they follow the blockers. When you go off by yourself, the other team's about to just all jump on you. But if you follow the plan that the coach has made and you stay behind the blockers, they're going to prepare the way. They're going to clear the path that you can, you can sail down the field. That's what God wants to do. But sometimes, instead of going his play, we decide to call an audible. We decide to go our way. Now, sometimes audibles get lucky, but most times they fail. Because now you're by yourself. And the whole team is after you. You see, when we truly are listening for God to speak to us and invite him into our situation, that's when we will have success. But you know, Israel, they look around what all the other nations are doing. And eventually that, that ephod thing becomes an idol by itself. Instead of realizing that that wasn't the source of where the answers was coming from. That was only the means God was using to communicate. They started worshiping the, the breastplate. They started to make it an idol and put it on a stand and bow down before it. And so eventually God had to have it destroyed. This happened in the time of Gideon. It says Gideon, after defeating the Midianites, collects great spoil and gold. And he remakes, he makes a brand new ephod, a golden breastplate. And they, it even gives us the weight of it. And the weight of the golden earrings that he requested was 1,700 shekels of gold. Beside ornaments and collars and purple raiment that was on the kings of Midian. When he finally defeated the enemy through God's wisdom, he took all the gold and he made a mistake. He made this golden um, uh, breastplate with the pockets and everything. And he put it in this city. And you know what happened? People started worshiping it. Sometimes we start to worship the blessing rather than the person who blessed us. It's so easy. Human nature is terrible. You know that? It's so easy for us to believe our own propaganda. It's so easy for us to look in the mirror and say, hmm, I'm not, I'm not too bad, you know. I'm something after all. It's so easy to start thinking you are more than what you really are. And it was worse in my case. I told you, my, my mother gave me a very big head. She used to tell me when I was, I could do anything. I could achieve anything. And I was, I was the most, int- she told me all of that and I soaked it up. <laughs> it wasn't until I got a little bit older and I realized, wait a minute. You know what, what's happening here? All of this stuff has been God's mercy. Nothing to do with you. And then God started to teach me. God started to teach me and show me by making me fail. And then coming back and pulling me out of the pit. Do you understand why he led him through the desert? Because that was not the easy way. So that they would learn where their bread truly comes from. When Jesus was tempted, the Bible says in Luke, he went out into the desert and was tempted 40 days. By the devil. And we know three of the temptations. The first thing the devil asked him is to do what? If, if you're a son of God, if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, why don't you just turn this stone into bread? And what was Jesus' answer? It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? Now, let me ask you this. Do you know... He was quoting from the Old Testament. Do you know where it is written? It's in number, it's in Deuteronomy. And 
here's what it's written if you look in Deuteronomy. It says that God led them through the desert so that they may know that man does not live by bread alone. He led them through a desert place, got them into a place where there was no way they could survive possibly unless God showed up. Do you understand what God does in your life sometime? To teach you, to teach you that he's real. He'll lead you into a desert place. He'll lead you into some trouble that you can't get out of. And the reason he does that is so that you turn to him. And so then you realize this, this is a miracle. There's no way this is going to happen. This is, this is beyond my capacity. This is beyond my human understanding. I've told you some of the testimonies. The times when I got in accidents and the car was smashed. And So I know what I'm talking about. That he will take you through a desert place so that man may know that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word, every word that comes out of the mouth of God. So verse 27, so Gideon made this ifod himself and put it in his city because you remember God had started speaking to him. So he decided, okay. My city should have this representation of the voice of God. And the name of the city was Ophrah. And, and what started to happen, it says all Israel went thither a whoring after it. Meaning they started to not really consider who was the messenger, but started to worship this beautiful golden breastplate. And the thing became a snare unto Gideon. It became a, a temptation to forget who was our source. Who was our source? You know, the trouble with... If any of you won the lotto, <laughs> I don't know what it's running right now, but maybe it's a hundred million. You know, we probably wouldn't see you next week, would we? <laughs> I'm going to Disney World. See, God knows if there's some blessings we can't handle. There's some blessings we wouldn't handle properly. We probably wouldn't come to church. You know, we might send some tithes in. Thank you, if you do. <laughs> but we wouldn't see you. See, if God blessed you, if God blessed you, you know what he's asking? Throw down the rod. Which end are you going to pick up? Are you going to still trust me? Or are you going to try and control the situation yourself? So when God blessed Gideon, instead of inquiring of the Lord, they started praying to the object itself. And treating as if it was a God. So they were no, no longer really listening to the voice of God. They were in their own imagination doing this thing. So now here's the difference between people who um, get involved in occult and divination. Is that the difference is, as I read before, when God wanted to speak to somebody, what did the scripture say? It said the word of the Lord came. That means the source originated it. Divination, it's man who is originating it. You understand? So that's how you know. So divination is usually initiated by man. True prophecy always starts from God because we don't even know. That's the difference. So divination seeks a predetermined, Lord, I want this car instead of Lord, just bless me with your will. We start to tell God exactly how it's supposed to be. 
That's what happened in, in, in the Old Testament when Balak came to Balaam and he said, listen, these people, Israel, are coming through my territory. I want you to curse them. That's what I want. We, we try and predetermine an outcome that we want. And that doesn't work that way. Divination seeks a, an outcome. Uh, I'm going to read my horoscope and I want it to tell me what a handsome and beautiful person I am, how smart I am, and how I'm going to live a long life. And when we disagree with it, we tear it up. Oh, that thing don't know nothing. There's some people when they, when they, after a while they meet you, they start, you can tell, they start asking you, what month are you? <laughs> I tell them I'm, I'm the month that God made me in. <laughs> what, what month are you? Are you a, are you a, a Sagittarius? Why? What does that matter? Bible says old things are passed away. All things have become what? new even if there was such a thing when we come in Christ he breaks all of those we are born again we are under a new sign see that's what's going to happen today for sister Alicia she's going to be born again the old things are passed away all things are made new that's the beauty of it you see true prophecy is open to God's direction. We don't tell God what to do. Now, there's nothing wrong with asking, but you don't, de- you don't, you don't tell God that's exactly how it's got to be. No. It's God's decision what, because he can see the future. You can't. So we find that this is what happens with Saul. After he rebelled and God was no longer speaking to him, you know what he decided? He's going to go and speak to a spirit. He's going to go... Go to a witch and try and find out what's going on. So he can't hear from God, so he goes to a witch. Then said Saul unto his servants, Seek me out a woman that hath a familiar spirit, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servants said to him, Behold, there is a woman that hath a familiar spirit at Endor. Then said the woman. So he goes to the woman. Now previous to this, when Saul was doing right, he had banned all the witches. He had, he, had, he had eliminated it. So, of course, she doesn't trust him. She thinks it's a trap. And when the women saw, uh, then said to him, whom shall I bring up to thee? And he said, bring me up Samuel. He wanted to speak to the departed prophet Samuel. And when the woman saw Samuel, she cried with a loud voice. The woman spake unto Saul, saying, why hast thou deceived me? Because he didn't come as Saul. He pretended he was someone else. Because when God stops speaking to someone, they start going into other things. They go into drugs. They let the drugs speak to them. Yeah, when I do this, it makes me feel good. I get all kinds of ideas. Who are they inquiring up from? Right? And, and it makes them feel... I mean, these things work. But the source now is no longer God. So let's... We've, we've looked at, at, at in the Old Testament. Let's look. How does God speak to us now? Well... Let's read it. Hebrews 1, 1 in the New Testament says, God at sundry times and in divers' manners spake in time past unto the fathers through the prophets. He principally used, he would choose a man and he would empower that person to prophesy. But today, how does he speak to us? Verse 2 tells us this, Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, by through Jesus Christ, whom he hath appointed 
heir, that means the inheritor of all things, by whom he also made the world. So principally, we hear from God through the words of his son. That's why we believe in the New Testament. We read the Bible because it tells us something, right? And it's our choice then whether we believe. When it says God so loved the world that he gave his only son, you, you either believe it or you don't. Or when he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, you either believe it or you don't. But that's how God is speaking to us now through his son. And his son sometimes speaks to us through circumstance. Amen. That's a lot how God speaks to me. I make some bad choices and the circumstance start to speak to me. <laughs> the circumstance start to speak to me. And I say, why did I ever do that? You ever wish you could go in a time machine and go back and do, get a do-over? <laughs> go back and do a do-over. You know, you can look at parts in your life, some critical, stupid, stupid decisions that you have made. And you, you'd say, man, if I could just go back and make a difference. You know, but you know what would happen? You just make a different stupid decision. Because without God, without God, we're going to make mistakes. We are flesh. We, we, our, our understanding and our knowledge is limited. That's why the Bible says that in all thy ways, acknowledge him. That means to know him. The more we know about God and his desires. Like when you really know about somebody and you're asked to go get something for them, you don't even have to ask. Most times, right? You know what they like. My, my wife knows the kind of foods I like and what I don't like. She, she most times don't, don't have to ask. She knows certain things I hate. And I know certain things she regularly buy so she don't, I don't have to ask there's certain foods that I know she likes the more we know of God the more we know his mind the more we know we don't even have to necessarily ask because we know what pleases him that's how close we're supposed to get to God so that we, we said let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus once we get that close we know what pleases God so today he doesn't speak to us through stones that we have to pick up or Ouija boards or glass, you know, crystal balls. He speaks to us through his word. And he said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. The whole universe could pass away before God's word pass away. He says, in fact, not one jot, which is a Hebrew, Hebrew letter or one tittle will pass away till everything that he has written is going to be fulfilled. Someone was asking me last night about end times and you know, what I think about them. And I was telling them, yeah, we are definitely in end times. And there's reasons why I say that. Because we see the prophecies being literally fulfilled. It couldn't have been the end time before 1948. Because Israel didn't exist. But now we have Israel existing, just as been prophesied. So now we know we have a, a trigger. Jesus, in his, in his words, said, when you see the fig tree blossom you know that spring, summer is coming. See, the fig tree was Israel. We saw Israel become a nation. We see them now. The fight is over the city of Jerusalem. And that's all in prophecy. All, all through prophecy, it says Jerusalem was going to be the, 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 the thing that was going to be fought over. We see all the nations gathering into the groupings that have been prophesied. We can see it all coming together. So when God speaks, his word is not going to change. It, not for 
overall prophecy. What can change is whether we're on this side or that side. Just as, just as Joshua said, whose side are you on? But he said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Choose you this day whom you will serve. God has given us the ability to either listen to his words or go eat the brownies. <laughs> It's only got a little, little bit of... See, those are the most powerful lies are the ones that sound so true. Because if you get told an outright lie, it's obvious. You're not going to believe it. But if it sounds like it could be true, that makes your mind start to go. He said, but God doth know in the day you eat of this fruit, you shall become as wise as him. Right? You, you'll know good and evil. And the Bible says she looked at it. She looked at it and started to think about it. And when she saw that it was good, it was pleasant to the eyes and good for food, she ate. Then she took it to, to, her, to her friend, to her husband. You see what happens is when we start to not eat God's words, we're going to end up eating somebody else's word. In fact, the worst thing that's going on right now is deception. And fake. And lies. And again, this is what was prophesied. We see, I mean, probably it's, it's called an oxymoron if you, if you put honest and politician together, right? You, those two things don't go together. Uh, uh, honest politician almost. But when God speaks, how do we, in this noise that we're hearing today, how do we truly recognize it? In the Old Testament, sorry, God spoke in, in very strange ways because he was trying to break through the noise to Israel. So he told the prophet Ezekiel to do some really strange things. Sometimes God does speak in strange ways when he's trying to get our attention. Let's look at this. Ezekiel 49, 4 and 9. He told the prophet, Take thou also unto thee some wheat, some barley and beans and lentils and millet and fitches, and put them in one vessel. Fitches is a kind of um, grain. Put them in one vessel and make make some bread. Thereof, according to the number of days. And then he told the prophet, I want you to lie on one side for, let's see, what did it say? 390 days. I want you to lie out in the, on one side, and I want Israel to see you lying there on one side like that. And thy meat which thou shalt eat shall be by weight 20 shekels a day. God told him even what he should eat. From time to time thou shalt eat it, and thou shalt drink also water by measure. So he was given little breaks to eat and do business. But he was told most of the time he's to lie on his side like this. So that when people came and they asked him, why are you lying on your side? He could explain to them what God was trying to say. And thou shalt eat it in barley cakes and thou shalt bake it with dung that covereth, cometh out of a man. God told him to do some strange things. He was to cook his food from excrement. You wouldn't want to be a prophet in the Old Testament. And the Lord said, even thus shall the children of Israel eat their defiled bread. What he was doing was disgusting. God made him do it as a symbol to Israel to think, maybe if they see the prophet acting in this strange way, they will listen to my words. But did they listen? No. No. Sometimes God has to put us way out into the desert and we have no other way but to suddenly call on him. After we've tried everything else to get our attention. So in the Old Testament, God spoke through the Urims, the two stones. He spoke through the prophets. And then sometimes he spoke through dreams. Acts chapter 2, 
verse 16. In the, on the day of Pentecost, Peter, when he got up to preach, was explaining what the people were seeing because they saw the disciples acting strange because now they were filled with the Spirit and they were acting strange. They were, you know, going and swaying and dancing. And they thought, this is crazy. These people are drunk. And he had to explain that this was not the case. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. What you're seeing these people do, the manifestation, they think we're strange because we speak in tongues and because we run around the church. They think we're crazy. Same thing is happened on the day of Pentecost. And he's explaining, he says, And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, that I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. There's been several times I've prayed for people at the altar. And I've asked them, usually when I pray for someone, I ask them, what do you want me to pray for? And there was a man last year, he said he needed a job. And I just felt the Spirit tell me he was going to get the job. So I, I, I didn't tell the church, but I declared to him, you know who I'm talking about, brother. I told him, you're going to get the job. And he got, <laughs> he got the job. Now, I don't do that very often. I, I, don't, I don't just say stuff out my mouth because I'm the pastor. I only say it when I really feel the Spirit. So I told him, I said, you're going to get the job. And I told him what was going to happen. And he got the job. The only problem now, he works on Sundays a lot. <laughs> yeah, we gotta, he's got to get a different job now. But what I'm telling you is that, that, that God can do things supernaturally. He, he spoke in the Old Testament through prophecy. And today it says, He see, shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on your servants and my handmaidens will I pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. So we do believe that God still does prophecy. We do believe that the Spirit can tell someone something for all of us or tell someone personally. Personally. And I love when God does that. I don't do it all the time. But sometimes God will, will tell me to tell someone something. And I told him, I said, now when this happens, you're going to get, I told him, you're going to get the job. And when this happens, you're to come back and tell about it. He did come back and tell about it. Amen. But God still does that. He is a miracle working God. And he's not ashamed or embarrassed to do that. You see, when the spirit of truth comes now, he speaks to us personally. You don't have to go to the priest. You don't have to go to confession and say, Father, I've, and, and you know he's listening and he's, he's the one. You can speak directly. You can speak directly. To the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen. John 16, 13 tells us now that when we get the Spirit, when we get the Spirit, now we have our personal, personal telephone, so to speak, our personal mobile phone that goes with us anywhere. You can call out to Jesus anytime. It says, how be when the Spirit of truth is come, He will guide you into all truth. If we're willing to listen. In the Old Testament, God gave the symbol because the children of Israel... They had been in Egypt for hundreds of years. They didn't know how to get to the promised land. But the Spirit guided them in the form of a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. And every time the pillar moved, what were they supposed to do? They were supposed to move. And when it stopped, they were supposed to stop. Do you understand that today, that's how God speaks to us through His Spirit, if we would listen. 
if we would listen. So many times I've heard people say, man, and God was telling me not to do that. Then why did you do it? Why did you do that? And I knew I shouldn't do that because something was telling me. That was the Spirit trying to, to warn you. That was the Spirit trying to grab a hold of you and tell you, no, no, that's not the way to go. In fact, the Bible tells us you shall hear a voice saying, this is the way. Walk in it. There's, there's been many times that I um, come down here at late at night uh, for various reasons, like 10, 12, 1 o'clock to get certain things. And I'm, I'm very careful. I listen to the Spirit. <laughs> I listen to the Spirit. Not that I believe necessarily, but I'm listening to the Spirit. I'm listening to this. If, if you feel suddenly you're not supposed to go anywhere, you should listen to the Spirit. God may be directing you away from an accident. Don't get mad if you drop your keys or can't find your keys before you leave the house. God is delaying you for an accident. Just that few seconds you were looking for your keys meant that you missed that guy who went through the the red light. That's happened to me several times. Like I was crossing and then the a couple seconds difference in my timing, that would have been me being hit. So God now today speaks in various forms, but it's through all of them. It's through his spirit. But instead of being outside in the pocket, it's now inside in your heart. But we still have to ask. God is not going to be um, beating you down. He, he wants us to have a relationship. You know, when I wanted money, when I was a little kid, you know who I went to, don't you? Well, today, that's what we got to do. We got to ask the Father. Jesus said, he said, ask that my joy, your joy can be fulfilled. There's no reason if it's a good thing. Jesus said, no good thing. With he with, if it's a good thing and you ask, God is going to give it to you. Now, many times we think it's a good thing, but we can't see what it's going to turn into. And God may withhold it, maybe for a time until we're better able to, to understand. There's, there's been times when I got frustrated with God, right? Lord, why don't you do this now? And I've told you the, a couple of examples. And God was saying, please trust me. Just wait. Will you wait? It's going to be so much better if you wait. And in the end, when I saw, I went, oh, I understand now. God, I'm so glad. I'm so glad you didn't do it when I wanted you to. As the song said, he may not do it when you want to, but it's, it's on time. Amen. So when we, when we want God to speak to us, the important thing is then to listen. We pray, but do we listen for the answer? Or are we just monologuing? It's a one-way conversation. All we're doing is either giving God a shopping list. Lord, I need this, 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 this. I want you to do this, this, and this, and this. Then we get up and we go. Instead of just waiting and meditating. And waiting for God to speak to our heart and give us confirmation. So we have to listen for direction. Here is the scripture, Isaiah 30, 21. It says, and thine ears shall hear a word behind thee saying, this is the way. Walk ye in it. And when he turned to the right hand and when he turned to the left hand, that's what we have to listen for is God's voice. Lord, is this the direction you want me to go in? Romans 8, 14 tells us, sums it up. It says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Galatians five eighteen says, but if he be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. Isn't that something? That means you're not under condemnation. If it's God leading you, 
You're not under condemnation. Now, in the New Testament, there was an example of that. One day, Jesus led his disciples through a cornfield on the Sabbath day. And guess what his hungry disciples started to do? They started to pick the corn and eating it. Now, that was breaking the Sabbath laws. And all the Pharisees said, hey, look at that. Look what your disciples did. They're breaking the Sabbath. And Jesus explained to them, do you understand that one greater than the Sabbath is here? And he had to explain to them the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. We don't worship the day. God gives us a day of rest so that we could worship him. (laughs) So when we are led by the Spirit, there is no law, there is no condemnation, right? The Bible says there is no condemnation to them that are led by the Spirit. Satan will want to come and accuse us and tell us all kinds of stuff. But I want to point to my Spirit, Holy Ghost, and say, see, it says, paid in full. (laughs) paid in full sister Lisa when you go down in that in that water today you know what that means your your sins are completely washed away it's as if you were just born not one single sin that you've ever committed will be on on the record it'll be clean you should be able to pray such powerful prayers because you have nothing God is looking at you as a brand new child And what we're doing today is we're getting washed. We don't baptize every Sunday, but we hear the word and the word washes us. Scripture tells us that by the washing of the word, we are regenerated. So we're clean too. How? By the washing of the word. That's why people who don't listen to the word, they get all of their spiritual soul all still all soiled up. Because as soon as you walk out the door, there's going to be mess. There's going to be people. There's going to be spirits. There's going to be situations. And we need a word every day. I want to hear from the King of Kings every day. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. When we are led by the Spirit, then the Bible declares us His Son. See, God is still speaking, even not in the, in the way of the, through the law or through the stones, but He is still speaking. Let me read it again. It says, In the Old Testament, God, who at sundry times and in divers manners, spake in time past unto the fathers through, through the prophets. But today, He speaks to us through His Son. In Psalms 119, it says, Thy word... Have I hid in my heart so that I should not sin against you? When, 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 you're, when Satan comes with his stuff and you, you want to be in your flesh and give people a piece of your mind, you, you remember that word that, listen, the battle is not yours, but it's mine. Just let me fight for you. You don't have to fight for yourself. And you know, when God fights for you, I'm usually sorry for the other person. <laughs> Because he chews them up and spits them out. When God fights for you, it's, it's so much better than when you have to do it. Amen. So I'm encouraging you today. This is only part two. We have two more parts to go. And we're going to be listening about hearing his voice. Because ultimately, to hear his voice, that's going to be the resurrection. But the Bible says the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with the trump of God. And the voice of the archangel. You know why he's going to have a voice? Because I believe you're going to hear your name. You're going to hear your name. 
In Revelation, we see an example of that. In Revelation 4, John says he was in spirit on the Lord's day. And then in chapter 4, he says, And he saw a door opened in heaven. And he heard, as it were, a voice saying, Come. That's what I'm waiting for. I have no more worldly ambition. There's nothing more. I'm not going to be a millionaire. I'm not going to, you know, do all these things when you're a little teenager. You've got all these ambitions. You're going to do this. You're going to be... Start a company, you're going to do all this. I have no, my only ambition now is to make it. <laughs> I don't want after all my life, I mean, I was taken to church as a baby on my third, after three days. So imagine coming to church for all that time and not making it. What a waste. What a waste. The Bible says, he that endureth to the end. The same shall be saved. So we got to be listening for that still, small voice. Because God won't shout at you. He's not, he's not like a bull in a china shop. Sometimes he's going to speak to you quietly. And we've got to make sure that we still the noise that's going on in our lives so that we can truly hear the direction he wants. Elijah, the prophet, had been used to God speaking through great big things, you know, fire coming down, earthquakes, all this stuff. But God was trying to show him something new, that God doesn't always speak in that way. He had to listen. And he took him to this mountain. In fact, it was the same mountain where the law was given. In 1 Kings 19, 11, and he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by in a great and strong wind. There was a huge windstorm came and break the rocks in pieces. But the Lord... But the Lord was not in the, in the wind. And then after the wind, an earthquake came. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire, a still, small voice. See, God does not always speak the way we think. The way we think. But he will be there. He will speak. He will. You know how the Lord speaks to me a lot lately? Through my children. I'm about to get mad with them. And I say, wait a minute. That's me. <laughs> That's me. That's exactly how I'm acting to you, God. I see it now. <laughs> That's exactly, I see what you're trying to tell me. Because I see my actions in, in them. See, God will use a still small voice to speak to you. But if you will listen and you will hear it, you will have great success. If you could stand with me. God is still wanting to speak to us today. And if we will hear his voice, the Bible says, harden not your heart. The, fu- the last time God speaks to the churches in Revelation chapter 3, it always ends this way. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. That's to tell you so important. God is speaking, but a lot of us are not listening or if we listen, we say, no, we don't, want, we don't want that voice. You know, I'm good at telling stories over and over and over again. To tell you one more before we, we close about the man who was on this mountainside in, in, in the dark, right? And he's driving on a, on, a, on a bike and he hits a stone and he flies off into the air and it's pitch black. There's no moon. And he's falling through the air at the side of the mountain. He managed to grab onto something like a branch or a root or a bush. And he doesn't know what he's hanging on, but he's hanging and he shouts up the mountain. Is anyone up there? The voice comes back, yes. Can you help me? Yes. 
What do you want me to do? Let go. Is there anyone else up there? That's us. When God tells us to do something, we decide to think about it and decide if if it's what we think is wise. Of course, the story goes that in the morning as the sun came up, he's been hanging on there all night. He's about to drop off his arm and he looks and he finds he's only about a foot off the ground. All he had to do was let go. God is speaking to each and every one of us. He wants a personal relationship. Listen this week when you pray. When you finish praying, listen and say, God, I'm I'm waiting for the answer now. That still small voice. Hallelujah. Let's bow our hearts this morning. Father, we just thank you today for your goodness and your grace and your love. Hallelujah. That you are wanting to speak to us. Help us, oh God, to recognize your voice. You said that your sheep hear your voice and they follow. Lord, I pray, help us to be good sheep. Help us to be searching to hear your words coming to us today, Lord God. We just thank you for your presence in this sanctuary. Lord, I pray for our second service that you will move, that you will anoint, that you will bless. We thank you for the baptism we're going to have, Lord Jesus. Oh God, that you will just bless your daughter, Lord God, that you will be in her life in such an amazing way oh God that she'll have no doubt Lord God that she is called and chosen Lord we thank you for your goodness and your grace we thank you for your blessings and we give you the praise and the glory in Jesus name let's give God a praise offering this morning